0: Welcome to another edition of the CarboLine Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker, and with me as always is Paul DeJamis. There we go. Yeah, thanks for the clarification. It's nice to let him know that it is a guy's name. I mean, I like calling you Paula, but I don't like the detention that comes with it. I mean, (laughs) you are my boss, and I don't don't think HR is listening to this thing, but the, the retribution was... (laughs) Probably not okay. Well, we're going to find out if HR was listening. Yeah, so we've behaved ourselves. We've been good. And we've decided that uh, it's time. It's time to get back up to our usual hijinks. So here's a pre-recorded segment that we did uh, choosing this
1: week's topic. All right, so now we're uh, out in the middle of a field. And um, we're going to select this week's topic very similarly to the uh, way we used to. Uh, we've thrown knives, slingshots, we threw watermelon off the roof. We got in trouble for all of them, but we don't think HR is listening anymore. So uh, out here in the middle of the field, we are, we've got a bow and arrow. I've
2: always loved archery, Jack. I, I was really excited when we decided that this was going to be one that we're going to try this time.
1: And, you know, we've all seen that movie or heard about the, what they call the arrow roulette, where you shoot the uh, arrow up in the air, and then you run like crazy people and hope the arrow doesn't hit you. And I know my skills with an arrow. It's not going straight up. So it could go anywhere. It so could. Sh- it really could. Should I shoot the arrow? I don't know. It. Uh, it's It's called roulette. I. Yeah. All right, so the other thing that we've done is we've marked off big, huge sections on the field with four topics. Those topics are fusion-bonded epoxy, calculating coverage rates, office politics and how to navigate them, and a mean blush. Well, Jack, I know which one I'm hoping for today, but
2: we're just going to let fate decide what it's going to be.
1: It's time to play the game! All right, here we go. Where'd it go? I don't, I don't see it. Where? I don't. Okay, I think uh, we're... I see it! Uh, Alright, we're not dead. Yet. I feel happy! <laughs> oh, shut up. You will be soon. <laughs> anyway, so it looks like... Uh, let's uh, get on over there. Um, as we get on over to the uh, area, here we go. We see the... Um, the mean blush. Alright. Alright. All right, so let's throw it back up to the studio, and we'll go from there.
0: All right, so, yeah, HR, hopefully you're not listening. Or, uh, you know, our good friend in safety, hopefully he's not listening anymore.
2: Yeah, he's busy.
0: Paul, if they want to tell us that we're idiots for playing arrow roulette, how do they get a hold of us?
2: They could dial 1-800... Oh, wait, no, that's not really how they get a hold of us. 1-800. They can reach us at technicalservice at carbaline.com. They can also catch us on the Twitter, Jack's at Jack underscore CTSP. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP.
0: Well, I mean, they could dial 1-800-848-4645 and select technical service, and you'll be playing technical service roulette because we are two of your six
2: options. Yes, we we sure are. That's not the number I was thinking. There's one on a bumper sticker that I think of every once in a while. You know, it's another... Well, you lost me.
0: I got it. I'm not there. I'm, I'm guessing it's inappropriate since so yeah. you just won't say it. Correct. Jeez, Paul, why do you got to be inappropriate? All right, so a meme blush. So last week we talked about a soapbox, and boy, I think this soapbox is bigger. Well, we actually need soap for this one. I think this one is a... Uh... I see what you did there. See? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I think this one is the soapbox that, uh, you know, Andre the Giant would need to step up on.
2: That's right. And, you know, it kind of goes along with this is the right time of year. It's fall. The weather is getting cooler. Your humidity levels are changing. People are running heaters. uh, Paint is taking longer to dry. All of these things are going to contribute to make this
0: problem worse. It's almost like this was a predetermined selection and wasn't left solely up to fate. <laughs> well, we did decide that it needed to be one of the choices. Or did fate come through? What, what is it, Terminator? There's no fate but what you create. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm that big of a Terminator nerd. <laughs> okay, so before we get too far <laughs> down this rabbit hole. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's gone. Oh, Moved yeah. Let's, let's give
2: a quick definition for what a mean blush Is What is it that we're actually talking about?
0: Well, Alice, amine blush... (laughs) Amine blush is a uh, byproduct of a chemical reaction. It sure is. Now, this chemical reaction,
2: basically what we're talking about, all epoxies are susceptible to blush. It's just a matter of how they're modified tells you how susceptible they are to that blush. What happens when we get an amine blush is the amine... That is available in an epoxy. It's one of the two parts of an epoxy that gets put together to create this glue mm-hmm. that we use. Yeah, let's
0: pause a little bit there. Amine is an integral part of every epoxy. It is in every epoxy. It is what reacts with the epoxy resin to make your epoxy dry and be right. paint.
2: It's the, it's the curing part. Yeah. What we look at is in this amine, this molecule... There's areas that are reaction sites. That's how the mechanism cures. That's the process we
0: go through to get it to to cure. Remember we talked about that, I believe, in episode 12 as a part of our tank lining series. We sure did. And what happens is it's
2: an easier reaction for those sites to react with carbon dioxide and water than it is for it to react with the epoxy that it's in the bucket with. So anywhere where you have surface area available and you have carbon dioxide and moisture... That can be moisture in the form of humidity, in actual, you know, rain. If water gets on it, like condensation will do this. If you're hovering above a river. That's right. The amine portion will react with those carbon dioxide and water molecules and form this side reaction. And really what it's forming, it's, it's an ammonium carbamate. And really all that is, is it's a fancy word for, it's a salt that forms with a really high pH. And it forms this oily, greasy residue. Usually it's kind of a yellowy color. Sometimes it's a little bit clearer, mainly because it's thin. And it's a very thin film that forms on the surface of the epoxy.
0: And this is important because the two characteristics that Paul just mentioned, oily and greasy, means that if you're going to add an an additional coat above that epoxy layer that did form that amine blush... It's not going to stick to the epoxy. It's going to stick to the amine blush, and therefore you're going to have premature failure in the form of delamination. Usually large-scale delamination. Yeah, it usually just comes right off. It's that uh, self-removing paint. There you go. Yeah. We could call it the strippable paint. Strippable paint, yeah, yeah. Uh, just by looking at it. Right. This is important because we, y- temperature has a play on it. As we get into these cold weather months, we really got to pay attention to any application of epoxies that we do outside, mainly because any kind of moisture in the air, any CO2 is going to drive this reaction and make it significantly worse than it would be if it was hot and dry.
2: That's right. And like Jack said, it's when the surface is exposed is when you have to be careful for it. So one of the ways that we can prevent or reduce The chances of a mean blush happening is we can add an induction time to the paint when we mix it up because what we're looking at is the surface area of the paint is what's reacting. So if you have a five gallon bucket, your surface area and it's full of paint, your surface area is only as big as the surface of the five gallon bucket. Sure. If you take that same five gallons of paint and you apply it to structural steel beams, now all of it
0: is surface area. Let's take a little break there because I don't think we've ever talked about induction time on the show. Induction time is also known as sweat-in time. What this does is you mix your material and you let it sit there. Why this works is now those reaction sites that we are talking about are having a chance to start the reaction with the epoxy resin rather than the carbon dioxide and moisture in the air. A typical induction time is anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes. It used to be pretty standard that most epoxies had an induction time on the manufacturer's product data sheets. For the most part, those are kind of fading in the background. But what I will tell you is if you have a cold, humid day, you probably want to use an induction time. A typical one's probably about a half hour.
1: Yeah,
2: and, and it really is. That is something that, that's kind of lost in a lot of what we do today. And you'll hear a lot of the painters who have been around for a long time, they'll say, I didn't used to have this problem having to worry about amine blush this bad, but it was standard to have an induction or a sweat-in time, and we've moved away from those because in most conditions, we can overcome that side reaction. But the time does come when the environmental conditions are right. That sweat-in time still helps you reduce the chances of having that amine blush form.
0: So when you have an amine-cured epoxy, this is where that 5 degrees above dew point for your steel substrate temperature becomes really important. Because if we start to have dew forming on the surface of your epoxy, even if it's a moisture-tolerant epoxy, you could be susceptible to amine
2: blush. One of the other things that we can do to help eliminate the chances or reduce the chances for, for amine blush is we can use good ventilation dehumidification, things to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide and moisture that's in the air. Now, if you remember back, I think last week, when we talked about accelerators, fans and DH.
0: Well, and accelerators help, too, because it quickens that reaction. The, the shorter that that reaction is open, the less time that, that amine has to react with carbon dioxide and moisture in the air, the less of an opportunity it has to blush. That's also part of the reason why the colder temperatures play an effect on it because in the colder temperatures it takes a long time for these to cure.
2: Yeah I was reading a, a study by one of the resin manufacturers and they stand by what we use as a general rule of thumb. They've tested it and analyzed it and said every 15 degrees Fahrenheit your reaction time 15 degrees Fahrenheit decrease in material temperature. Your reaction time doubles. So it takes twice as long for something to cure at, say, 50 degrees than it does at 65 degrees. And that whole time that it's open, it's reacting with moisture and carbon dioxide if you don't have a good ventilated, dehumidified environment.
0: And that's an exponential multiplication. So, you know, 65 degrees might be double of what 80 degrees is, but 50 is double of that. It's not quadruple of the 85 it's yeah it's double of what's already been doubled so now you have your epoxy that's reacting for a longer period of time because of the cooler temperatures so when you have that cooler temperature the moisture and the co2 that's a problem and now you're probably saying to me because you're all smart you listen to this show you're smart all right but jack CO2 is less than a percent of the Earth's atmosphere. Where is all this CO2 coming from? Well, that's true. So you put 12 guys inside of a tank all breathing. Or you use salamander or any gas burning
2: fuel source to actually that's running the forklifts or your lift stations or, you know, your heaters that you're using. Anything that has gas combustion, it's creating carbon dioxide.
0: That's why most coating manufacturers will not recommend heaters that use any kind of gas combustion as the power source. That's right. So now, you know, we know that all epoxies are susceptible to blush. I mean, we there is formulations that are done to lessen that and there are, successful formulas that will blush significantly less than others.
2: Yeah. Like we're talking specifically like a phenalkamine. Phenalkamines do great. Those are the types of resins we use for sweating pipes and, and wet conditions, mm-hmm. quick service to water conditions because they've been, it's called a manic base. I think we've heard some of our guests talk about this in the past, that what this does is it creates a site that prevents or reduces the chances of these free sites to be able to react with moisture and carbon dioxide. It kind of forces them to only fit with the epoxy part that we want it to fit with. So it, it reduces those chances, and therefore they work well in uh, warm and cool conditions with a lot of moisture present.
0: Now one thing we got to make sure, though, is even though they can be formulated around to reduce the potential, just by the fact that it has an amine in it, it has the potential to blush. So it is important to check when coating with epoxies if there's been any kind of high humidity, any, anything in a question of the, the factors that we've talked about thus far. So there are a couple ways that you can check for a mean blush. The first is the, uh, the eye test. Sometimes it blushes so bad that it looks like, oh my, it almost looks like the paint is crying yellow Yellow tears. Yeah. Yellow-brown tears. All right, that becomes blatantly obvious that is blush.
2: If any of you have ever been to one of our corrosion schools here, we've got some great pictures of these. And it's where just, you know, a couple of days later, the morning condensation and dew on the inside of a pipe has caused this amine blush to run down Mm -hmm. the sides. It, It looks
0: like dirty water running down it. And that's the easiest to find. Typically, though, the blush is so thin on the surface that it doesn't really have a color and... You feel it.
2: Yeah. So like when you rub on it, it's going to feel greasy. And if you have an epoxy that's clean, it will truly be squeaky clean. If you wet your finger and rub it on the surface, you're going to hear it go er," as you rub it across. That means it's clean. You don't have a
0: blush there. The other, you know, see it, touch it, feel it way that you can see it is it will collect dirt. Oh, yeah, it sure does because it is sticky. Yeah. There are also test kits available that you can test for blush because if you remember, Paul said it's an ammonium carbamate. Right. And that is very high on the pH scale. There's a little trick to these tests, though. You have to make sure that you're far enough into your curing process to make sure that you're not getting a false positive, Paul.
2: That's right. When an epoxy cures, the reaction is fairly high on the pH scale. When it's done curing, it's neutral. So if you've got a system that's totally cured and you put your pH paper with a little bit of water on it, you should get something that's pretty near the neutral range. 7-ish is being neutral. So if you're in that seven to eight range, you're usually pretty clear of not having to worry about blush. But the ammonium carbonate that's present in a blush is going to raise that pH level. So if you check the pH of a freshly applied epoxy, you're probably going to see a pH of nine-ish. And if you have blush present, it's going to be above that. So really, once we hit that nine-ish range is where we start to really be concerned about it. And it's not uncommon to see those B12s and 13s and 14s on a piece of pH paper when we do this test. One of the key features you have to make sure that you're doing is that you have alkaline pH paper or something that spans the whole range. You don't want to go in with a pH paper that only reads four to eight because it's not going to give you a proper reading. Correct.
0: So now we've talked all about how it forms, where it comes from, what you can do to prevent, how you find it. So, I mean, it's got to be hard to remove, right, Paul? You know, You would think so. A lot of times we tell you, you got to really put in the elbow grease.
2: That's not true with this. Truly, if you leave it out to weather, the rain will frequently wash it off eventually, unless the sun has baked it in.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's take it a little bit further than that though. I mean, it's water soluble. It's water soluble. And then typically you're going to wash it off with some kind of detergent and water. Dawn works works the
2: best. We described it as greasy, so grease-cutting detergents diluted in water with a little sponge or hose it down, a little pressure washer, it usually comes right off.
0: Yes, and any of the alkaline detergents work well. Is... Yeah. Yep. So you would do a soap and water rinse and then a water rinse and then recheck your pH and your blush should be removed.
2: Right. You just need to make sure that you're constantly changing your water if you're working from a bucket and you're actually washing You're going to need to change over that water a lot so you don't smear it around. Because if you go through it and somebody, you know, the most common thing we tell people, we love it when they wipe things down with MEK or acetone, something that's a clean, doesn't leave a residue behind. They cut a lot of stuff that we end up with contaminants on on a job site. See, It won't cut blush. I
0: was going to say, I didn't know where you were going, but I was getting ready to like hit stop on the recording because do not use solvent. All solvent is going to do is smear the blush around and make your problem bigger.
2: That's right, because now you've totally changed the properties of it, and it's going to be harder to wash off. You're going to require more elbow grease and more soap to get that same residue off.
0: I think that's about all we can say about a mean blush. Uh, let's hope we don't hear from HR and still have our jobs next week. So, we'll if give it we shot
2: because we're coming up on our one year anniversary of doing the really show, close.
0: I'd yeah. hate to get, get it taken away because we had a little fun again. I mean, you know, it happens, yeah. as, as Forrest says, it happens. <laughs> so, thanks for listening, and hopefully, we'll see you next Monday. Who put the
2: line in? Car-